Welcome to Political Beatdown. There it is, Michael Cohen. I'm Ben Micellis. Welcome, all the brigaders out there. We've got a lot to talk about. As we are recording this live, Donald Trump is on trial. He is a defendant in a civil federal lawsuit in the Southern District of New York. E. Jean Carroll is accusing Donald Trump of rape and defamation. Jury selection began earlier in the morning. Uh, the judge, Judge Lewis Kaplan, handled it very, very efficiently. The jury was selected pretty much right before lunch, and uh, opening statements are taking place as we are recording this. So if we learn more about those opening statements, we will talk about that. Michael Cohen has a lot of news. Cohen filed no. an appeal with the hey, second. Before we get into the Michael news, you know, that photo, that's a very interesting photo. And it's going to play a pretty significant role in this uh, E. Jean trial case, claiming uh, the photo, if you put it back up for a second, Salty, you'll see uh, directly behind Donald is a young lady, right? You have Ivana to the right. Uh, you have Donald's back of his head. And then that woman back there is E. Jean Carroll, at which point when Trump was asked to identify everyone in that photo, he believed that that was Marla Maples, which <laughs> yeah, you got to turn around and you got to say, well, if she's not your type, it's funny because you seem to have married your type and fathered a child with the type. But it's very interesting. And that that uh, photo is going to play a pretty significant role in terms of discrediting so much of um, Donald's deposition. And Donald Trump did not show up for day one of his own trial. It's a civil case. He's not forced to show up, but I'm sure his absence by itself makes a statement to the jurors there. But we'll talk more about what's going on uh, in that trial. But Cohen, let's first start talking about what's going on in Michael Cohen's world. I saw that you filed an appeal. You announced a new legal team in connection with Trump's lawsuit against you. So where, where do we even begin, Cohen, with all of your news? Well, and there's so much more. And we're going to talk about it with our brigaders. That's certainly, you know, for sure. So let me start with the $500 million uh, lawsuit that was filed against me in the Southern District of uh, Miami, Florida, uh, by Donald. Uh, I have now retained uh, the legal services of Donya Perry. Uh, Donya's here based out of New York. She is a former uh, Southern District of New York attorney. She happens to also have been the attorney that was successful in having uh, the unconstitutional remand of me back to Otisville. Uh, she was able to file a, um, a habeas petition. And I was, of course, after 15 days of solitary confinement, I was released. So she is uh, involved in this case, along with a Florida lawyer, also incredibly, incredibly knowledgeable uh, in the courts and a uh, civil litigator. His name is Benjamin Brodsky, based out of uh, Miami, Florida. So the two of them are going to be acting as a, um, a power team. And rest assured, it's not like, you know, I mean, Alejandro Brito, the lawyer that Trump uh, brought on there in Florida. My understanding is that he's a um, you know he's a competent trial lawyer, very similar uh, in 
stature, very similar in demeanor to Joe Tacopina here in New York. Uh, nevertheless, it doesn't really matter who's going to be trying this, even though I would say on the competency scale, uh, you know, my attorneys far outweigh uh, Trump's attorneys in this case, but it's also the sum and substance of the lawsuit. And as I'm sure that you have seen, this lawsuit is not going to inure to the benefit of Donald. That I can assure you. And thanks to everybody uh, who had donated to the GoFundMe. We're not done. This case is gone. Our goal is not just to get Trump at a table for deposition, but it's really to hold him accountable. Uh, this bullshit has to stop. These frivolous lawsuits, and I'm talking about the same type of frivolous lawsuit that Donald has now uh, been uh, sanctioned by the courts here in New York uh, to the tune of a million dollars with Alina Haba. I mean, this, this really has to stop. Uh, and this usage of the justice system in order to exact revenge, he's not able to use the office of the presidency to act, uh, you know, to uh, react and to exact revenge against people who he you know, doesn't like, myself included. Uh, and so now he resorted back to what he used to do, and that is to use the court system for his benefit. And it's just not going to work here. Well, look, that's why he filed this $500 million lawsuit against you, one to obviously intimidate and harass you, but he filed it in the Miami division because he was sanctioned in the West Palm Beach division. Now, I don't believe the case belongs in Florida in general, but it certainly doesn't, you know, in my own view, the Miami division was clearly kind of judge shopping. He was hoping to try to avoid Judge Middlebrooks, who sits in West Palm Beach, who just sanctioned him in Alina Haba a million dollars. So, you know how Donald Trump accuses everybody else of judge shopping. It's all projection. And so that's what he does. That's why he accuses people of it when people aren't doing it. So he goes to the Miami division, not the West Palm Beach division. He brings this case there. But I am glad you found a great legal team, Michael. Danya is a friend of the Midas Touch Network. We've had her on before on our Legal AF program. And I think that she's an incredible lawyer uh, and an incredible person. Um, so kudos on getting that great legal legal team, but you also mentioned her involvement in helping you out of the unconstitutional remand, and that's in the news as well, because you filed an appeal relating to the real weaponization of the Department of Justice, not the Jim Jordan BS, but Donald Trump and Bill Barr throwing you in solitary confinement because you would not agree to sign a waiver that is unprecedented saying that you wouldn't write a book and that you wouldn't post on social media mean things about Donald Trump. So they tailored this unique condition on you that's applied well, uh, ben, to ben, nobody let me not else. Stop you. Let me not stop you from saying it wasn't just a unique condition because yes, it was a unique condition. But the document, if you read, if you read the uh, appeal, which is brilliantly done by the Gilbert firm based out of Washington D.C., they specialize in litigation like this as well as appeals. It's not just that this paragraph is beyond unusual, right, that they're going to violate someone's First Amendment constitutional right. The document is not a 
federal <laughs> use document. It was tailored specifically for me. Now, they claim that that's not true. But of course, once we finally, God willing, get back into the court, I'd like to see who else that they did this to. Who else's First Amendment, viol- uh, le- you know, constitutional rights did they violate? It, every single federal document contains a federal ID number. This did not. This looked like it just came out of the word perfect. Um, and so it wasn't as if, though, I had refused to sign it. Myself and my uh, my lawyer, Jeffrey K. Levine, uh, who was there with me at the time, we both stated that, is there a way to tamp down the language? It is so overbroad and constitutionally violative of our first, my First Amendment right. Is there not a way to tamp it down? And if you read the appeal, we talk about it. They told us to wait in the waiting area that they were going to reach out to their superiors in order to see whether the language could be tamped down or redacted. Instead, they had us sitting there and they told us, please wait. We haven't heard back from anyone yet. And ultimately, there were three marshals standing over me, telling me to stand up, face the wall, handcuffed and shackled me, and ultimately remanded me back to Otisville, where, again, I spent another 15 days in solitary confinement before Danya uh, put in the habeas petition. And I was ultimately, thank God, a million times to the likes of Judge Alvin K. Hellerstein, who turned and ruled that the actions of the government, this is a federal court judge, that the actions of the government was retaliatory, right? And that he'd never seen anything like this. Unfortunately, in the lawsuit, because of the overturning of the Dobbs decision, which, as we all know, affected Roe versus Wade, it didn't just affect Roe v. Wade. It also affected a case which is called Bivens, B-I-V-E-N-S. And I, su- I suggest people look it up. It's the Bivens case. What that does is it gives you, as a U.S. citizen, the ability to hold government financially accountable for violating your rights. Well, the Dobbs decision now is turning and saying that it's not for the courts to make this determination, but rather Congress should give the uh, the ultimate determination, almost like what they want to do, uh, what they are doing right now with Roe v. Wade. And you could only imagine that Congress is going to pass some sort of a bill that's going to award, I mean, Individuals who are damaged by the, you know, by government and government officials uh, whose rights have been violated? I don't think so. I mean, it's hard enough for Congress to pass anything, least of all something like this that's so open because there are so many different ways that your rights could be violated. So it's almost, we talk about that in the appeal. I certainly recommend everybody, uh, you know, reading it. But Judge Lyman, in his decision in the case, he himself acknowledges that what was done was absolutely abhorrent and grotesque by government, but unfortunately his hands are strapped. Now, the only good thing is that Clarence Thomas, who happened to have been the, uh, the judge that wrote the opinion, made a statement that Bivens should apply if it is of the most unusual circumstance. That's the exact three words that Clarence Thomas used in this in his decision. Um, the most un, it's most unusual circumstance. Well, I 
ask people, I ask our brigaders to think, what could be more of an unusual circumstance than the President of the United States weaponizing the Justice Department through a willing and complicit bloviated scumbag Attorney General Bill Barr to unconstitutionally remand a citizen, right? A, you know, <laughs> simply because that person is a critic and it that person draws the ire of the big man. Well, that to me sounds like it's the most unusual circumstance. And for that, our hope is that the second court of appeal, uh, you know, that the court of appeals in the second uh, circuit uh, will reverse uh, the case. I want to break that down too, uh, Cohen, for all of our brigaders out there, because, you know, I teach at a law school where I discuss what took place in the 60s and the 70s and just how different the Supreme Court is today than what the Supreme Court, how they viewed the enforcement of laws in the 60s and 70s and even the 80s when there was real law and order. So for example, you know, I teach the Civil Rights Act of 1964. I teach about Title IX, which passed in 1972. And the Supreme Courts would always essentially imply in these laws causes of action, ways to enforce them, because the Supreme Court said, why else would Congress pass a law if people couldn't enforce the laws? Therefore, you can bring causes of action and sue people for these laws. The laws don't just exist because Congress wants to write a book or tell a story. They're trying to protect rights. So we imply a cause of action. What the Supreme Court has done now, as it's become more extreme, they said, you know what, though? Congress never specifically wrote in these statutes that there can be a cause of action. So because they never specifically used those magic words, then you don't have a private cause of action. You can't file these lawsuits. So it's a way the Supreme Court and a right-wing extremist Supreme Court basically takes the teeth out of all of these laws. And to your point, then they go, well, you know what? It's simple. Congress can just pass a law. Yeah, you think Congress can pass a law? Marjorie Taylor Greene and Kevin McCarthy, these idiots won't even raise the debt ceiling. They're holding our nation hostage to destroy not just our economy here, but the world economy. And they're trying to tether to that their own ridiculous wacko views about spending in order to if they want to raise the debt ceiling. So these are not people who are going to pass the laws, but that's how the Supreme Court does it. So how does that relate to Michael Cohen? As he just said, there's a case nearly half a century ago, and the Supreme Court held in this case called Bivens versus six unknown named agents of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics that a plaintiff in that case could seek civil damages against federal officers for the violation of their Fourth Amendment rights. However, for the next decades thereafter, while at first that right was being extended, more recently, the court said, you know what, we're not going to extend Bivens. You know what, we should probably even overturn Bivens, right? So there's a 2017 case that goes before the Supreme Court called Ziegler versus Abbasi, and they basically say that Bivens didn't really mean what it said, and the Congress needs to put these this specific language in it. So again, Taking all of that knowledge together, how does that relate to Cohen? Because you've got two federal judges saying that you're right, saying that your constitutional rights have been violated. The first, who was overseeing uh, your criminal case, federal judge Hallerstein, you know, says, Cohen, 
You've been treated horrifically. This is a constitutional infirmity. This is disgusting um, when it was brought to the judge's attention. That's in the remand situation. Then you filed the lawsuit. The judge that you mentioned in the lawsuit, Judge Lyman, he gets your motion, he gets your lawsuit, and he goes, you know what? Cohen's right. However, based on the way the Supreme Court has now interpreted Bivens, there is no remedy. So while Cohen is correct, Lyman says, Lyman says, there's no remedy, nothing I can do. I don't want to dismiss it, but my hands are tied, basically. And to your point, Cohen, what the Supreme Court has left after gutting this doctrine is that very narrow, narrow, narrow piece of the most unusual circumstance where a Bivens can be recognized, right? So your appeals are basically saying, court, if there is, if, if you're not just totally BSing us, if you truly mean that Bivens has this one exception of the most rare and extreme, I fit into that category. Otherwise, you're just going to have to abolish Bivens and say there's literally no right at all. But that's what the issue is. Not that you're wrong, but that the Supreme Court stripped the remedy. So yeah, so we'll get right back to Cohen in one second there. But that to me is the kind of fundamental issue. And again, not that in any sense, that Cohen was wrong, that Cohen, you know, didn't assert a cause of action, not that the conduct itself didn't take place. The issue is, you know, the Supreme Court just basically said, We're, we don't care about law and order anymore. Who cares about what, what these people do? And just think about how that doctrine applies, though, as well. Like what that means, so people know, is that like, let's just say a federal immigrations officer can basically go in and kill people, kill people. And they and then they can go, you know what? There's no remedy. I'm I'm sorry, that's a bad thing, but the Constitution doesn't provide a remedy because under the under the way Bivens has been gutted, you just don't have any right and remedy. Cohen. Yeah, well, why don't you think about on top of that how dangerous it is if somebody like Donald Trump comes back into power? I mean, just think about the danger that this man now poses where you can't even bring an action against government agents simply because you have no remedy. It's look, it's absolutely disgraceful. The goal of this appeal, assuming that we're successful, um, is to expand Bivens and to at least create a framework where Bivens is not gutted. That's really the goal here. But you know, it's it's interesting. As soon as that came out and I don't know how many of our brigaders are actually um, users of Twitter. You know, you may have seen that Elon Musk now has changed the entire rules of Twitter. I mean, it's a, there used to be something, there is a blue check mark, which means that you're verified, which means that they checked you out, that you are somebody of a certain status so that people who go to you know that you are legitimate, not a parody account or not some bot and so on. Well, not today anymore. Today, he changed it. Anybody who was verified before, unless you're paying like $8 a month uh, for that verified blue check mark, they took it away from you, and which is absolutely amazing. Uh, so for example, myself, and I have a little over 100,000 followers on Twitter, I no longer have this blue check mark. And that's fine. I will not pay Elon Musk 
uh, $8 a month to be uh, blue checkmark because it doesn't mean shit. And the reason it doesn't mean shit is all you have to do is take a look and see the number of bots that have come up over the course of the past you know, week or so is out of control. And they are changing the conversation. So, for example, it's like um, when it came to this, all of a sudden, and we talk about, like, for example, the GoFundMe uh, account that was opened by Adam Parkmenko and American Patriots. Um, the sole purpose of that GoFundMe, which, you know, we're doing very well, we're not where we need to be, and it's certainly not what it's going to cost to take this thing uh, to full accountability for Trump is to battle several of these different litigations that are currently going on. All right. All of a sudden, the bot farms start coming out and they try to change the conversation. And of course, what do they do? They now want to try to compare me to Donald Trump as a grifter. Well, nothing could be farther from the truth. Every dollar that is going into this GoFundMe, which I have no access to. I am not the one who's making decisions or anything, and I'm certainly not the one who is receiving any of the money for myself, which is exactly what Donald has in his pack, where he gets full discretion over 90 cents of every dollar, 90%. He has total discretion of this is only for legal fees in order to handle these various different legal matters that I am trying to, you know, ensure Trump's accountability and others. They take over and they just go fucking nuts on you. And if you go into them, you'll notice they have two followers, zero followers, 10 followers, 21 followers. They're all relatively brand new accounts. And what it's doing is it's ruining the Twitter experience. And Elon Musk actually promised all of us that this bullshit was going to stop, that they would come up with some sort of a system that would prevent these bots from taking over. It's fucking annoying. You know, you spend more time now blocking these bots so that they, you know, that they become valueless than you do anything else. It is absolutely abhorrent. And I can't believe that Elon Musk would allow this thing to happen, you know, after spending as much money acquiring Twitter as he has. You know, Twitter has become a real and legitimate um, location for political discourse, for conversation. But it has become right now nothing more than misinformation, disinformation, malinformation um, promoted by bot farms based upon whoever it is that's fucking paying them. And it is absolutely destroying this platform and it's destroying the experience that you can have on, on Twitter. I really wish that there was another forum within which to do it, which is why this political beatdown, why Midas Touch Network is so important. We could have our conversations here. And I don't care if there are folks that are following and watching us right now who are as far right as you can possibly get, right? I don't care. It's okay to have fair and legitimate conversation, all right? It's not okay to spread and to promote misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. All right. It's just not. It's OK to have exchange of ideas. That's good for all of us. The other way, it's just a joke and it ruins the platform. You know, that's why, though, I love YouTube. You know, I, I love this platform. You know, I love the community, the brigaders out there, the, the Midas Mighty. I love looking at the chats because 
you really have very intelligent conversation taking place. Occasionally, you'll get a troll who comes into this chat. But if you look at the comments generally, and you look at the conversations that are taking place generally, I think you'll see a lot of um, real intelligent communication uh, and debate. You know, uh, Cohen, we also started a Reddit a Midas touch Reddit that uh, is crushing as well, because that, that's what we have to do. You know, look, if he's going to tank Twitter, we got to develop other platforms. So everybody should subscribe to the Midas touch Reddit where we post videos like this as well. Cohen, I hear you got some beef with the uh, Daily Beast. I want to talk about that and that there was a situation with one of their writers. I think his name is Paglieri. Um, yeah, Jose Paglieri. What, what, what took place? So what happened is, uh, you know, I, I've spoken to Jose for many, you know, for many years. Um, every now and then what ends up happening is I guess they need, uh, you know, additional clicks or eyes or what have you. Or maybe the editor decides to horse around with the article. But there's a whole series of factual inaccuracies in the article. You know, for example, it makes it seem like I'm skulking around, you know, uh, Paying people for multiple NDAs and uh, well, you know non-disclosure agreements and uh, you know and other you know and other uh, abusive acts towards reporters. Let me be very clear: the act he's talking about was with a guy named Tim Mack, who accused Trump of raping Ivana in 1991. All right, and I just when that came to me, and it came to me, to me through Hope Hicks, it infuriated me. Whether you like Donald Trump or not, all right, even if you despise the man, it's one thing to despise the man because he's a racist and he says sexist, misogynistic, xenophobic, homophobic, Islamophobic, anti-Semitic tropes. It's another thing to turn around and to call somebody a rapist. It's the most vile act that you can do against another human being. And when I saw that, um, it was a complete mischaracterization of what Ivana had said in a deposition, which was referring to emotional rape. I don't even know what the fuck that means, but it's in her deposition. And I tried to explain what he said. Instead, he just kept pressing and pressing. I was in a shit foul mood and I just went at him. And many of you had heard that recording. Now name another one, which you can't. And then there's another scenario whereby I go ahead and, you know, I did the NDA for Donald with Stormy Daniels, all right? There is no NDA that I did, for example, with Karen McDougal. So what he makes it seem, he tries to build this, um, this belief that, you know, everything that I did, and then there's a whole slew of other stuff uh, that he has in this article that's just factually inaccurate, and it is wildly over-exaggerated and created. And for that, I turn around and I contacted him and I said, I don't understand you. I don't understand why you would put this sort of stuff down there, right? It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, and I basically said to him, do me a favor, lose my number, right? You're not a journalist. He's the same journalist that fucked up with the Jen Weisselberg, um, you know, uh, article whereby it claimed that she had gone down uh, to the DA's office in order to make her appearance known because that was the day that I was supposedly down there, which was factually inaccurate. Where that information came from, I have no idea, nor do I really care. But my point is, it's not just Jose, all right, Paglieri, and it's not just um, 
what is it, the Daily Beast. You saw that the there's another um, group, that another online newspaper that just got shut down. Why? Because financially, they're all having a hard time. So Buzz I guess feed, the right? way that you get the beta clicks, what's that? BuzzFeed. Yeah, BuzzFeed. So I guess the way that you get clicks and you get eyeballs for advertising is to make up bullshit. When one of the things that I said to Jose and I say it to all the journalists, I am not here. I am not right now here at this place in my life on this journey for you to try to abuse the you know, this system for your own benefit. That shit doesn't work anymore. I kept my mouth shut at the beginning because that's what my lawyers told me to do and to say, which I wish I can go back in time because I would never have done it. But I'm not here as a punching bag for the daily beast, for the Jose Paglieri's of the world. All right. I expect it from the far right leaning press. I don't expect it from people like him and shame on him. And as I said, fucking fire him the same way they just shit can, you know, Tucker Carlson. All right. If you can't be honest and legitimate, if you can't be truthful, then fuck you and you shouldn't have a job and you certainly shouldn't be out there trying to promote the fact that you are truthful and that the information that you're providing is accurate. Fuck that. No way. No more. I want to talk about Tucker being fired in just a moment, but here's the thing. If you want to get clicks, tell the truth. If you want to get people to watch what you're doing, just serve up the truth. Roll up your sleeves and do the hard work each and every day. And let's have intelligent discussions and intelligent debate like the ones we're having here. Cohen, you and I don't disagree on every issue. I, I don't agree with to. I, I don't agree with to. exactly. You know, I, I disagree with a lot of things that Biden does and, and the Democrats do. I consider myself a, a Democrat. You know, I consider them to be the only political major political party right now that's acting like adults and who are trying to solve the problems. But that doesn't mean I agree with them on on every single issue. But I recognize that there is a fascist threat from the right wing right now. And it's being spread also by propaganda networks like Fox, which just spew disinformation each and every night. Speaking of which, I do want to talk about Fox firing Tucker, what the implications of that are. I also want to talk about Donald Trump saying that he does not want to have any debates whatsoever in the Republican primary. And of course, I want to talk about Trump, who is on trial right now. We'll talk about all of that when we come back from this quick break. And now let's take a quick break to talk about our next partner, Lomi. Now, I've never been able to compost before. It was always too complicated, too much work, and frankly, I don't think I even knew if I was doing it right. Then I got a Lomi. Lomi allows me to turn my food scraps into dirt with a push of a button. Lomi is a countertop electric composter that turns scraps to dirt in under four hours. There's no smell when it runs, and it's really quiet. Thanks to Lomi, I have way less garbage each week. My family, we're down from three bags per week to just one. And here's something cool. My wife, she recently started gardening, and we've been able to use the scraps of dirt to help fill her garden. And since I got my Lomi, I throw out way less garbage. That means it's not going to landfills and producing methane. Instead, I turn my waste into nutrient-rich dirt that I can feed to my plants. I feel so great knowing that I'm composting and creating soil instead of waste. I have a basically limitless supply of dirt for my garden. The other week I had my in-laws over for dinner and the food cleanup was a breeze. Plus, they think I'm super eco-conscious now. If you want to start making a positive environmental impact or just make cleanup after dinner that much easier, Lomi is perfect for you. 
Head to Lomi.com slash beat and use the promo code beat to get $50 off your Lomi. That's $50 off when you head to Lomi.com slash beat and use promo code beat at checkout. Food waste is gross. Let Lomi save you a cold trip out to the garbage can. And now back to the video. Jordy with the ad read. Welcome back to political. We are back. Welcome back. We are <laughs> Look, live. Know, and, one of, and one of the things that obviously a lot of people in the comments are talking about is that they like the candor that you and I have. Uh, and, you know, when we speak, we are speaking truth. You know, truth is an interesting thing. It's these bots are trying to make truth to be determined based upon what your party affiliation is. That if you're a Democrat, you have one set of truth, or as Kellyanne would say, alternative facts, right? Or if you're Republican, you have a different set of facts. That's bullshit, all right? It's pure and utter bullshit. A fact is a fact, end of story. Now, you may have a difference of opinion on that fact, right? You may say that the sky is blue and you say, well, it's not really blue, it's powder, it's powder blue. They're, de they're derivations of the fact, but a fact is a fact no matter how you want to play it. The problem again with these bots, the problem with the Jose Paglieri's, the problem when you have stuff like this going on is that they try to change a fact. And as Donald will always try to show, and it's something that Stalin used to do years ago, which is if you restate a lie enough, that lie ultimately becomes the truth. And that's the problem that we, right, that we all have to contend with. Because after a while, you scratch your head and you say, well, which is the truth? Right. Where is the truth? What is the truth? I don't know anymore. And it's so fucking confusing. And as we get into this upcoming election cycle, if Donald Trump does remain uh, and become the Republican nominee, he will not, as you stated accurately, he will not uh, join a line of Republicans for the debates. Not that it's going to hurt him at all, because it won't. All right. Instead, he doesn't want to be up there and be attacked because the moron has no idea how to answer these attacks because the rest of the group will come with facts. It goes right back to the point. He's been spewing so much bullshit for so long that there are no more legitimate facts coming out of his mouth. And so the second he opens his mouth, you're going to have other folks like a Ron DeSantis, who's a smart guy. He's devious, but he's fucking smart. Or you're going to have, you know, uh, any of the, you know, any of the others, maybe a Mike Pompeo, unless he dropped out already. Um, they're going to come with the facts in hand. And it's going to be a shit show of everybody attacking Donald off of the lies that he has promoted over the course of the last eight years. So that's where, or even longer than that, based upon whether it's his wealth, based upon whether it's his intelligence, based upon whether it's the build the wall, you know, who pay, who's going to pay for it, uh, immigration, you know, whatever it is, Donald has his own, and you could see it just by, look, that's a big problem now that fucker Carlson is no longer on television. Uh, he'll just have to use Sean Hannity more and more. So at the end of the day, this is really a, issue. And I think it should be mandatory. He wants to stand up there and take the fifth like he did the 400 times before. No problem. But you do not get to be 
a candidate for the Republican nomination and not and not have to appear on the stage for uh, Republican uh, debates. I just think it's absolutely wrong. We are allowing our system to be abused and corrupted by a man who is the abuser and corrupter in chief. You know, and when we say, though, we, you know, it, to me, it is the large media networks. Of course, Fox and all the right wing media networks have completely abandoned democracy and their pure propaganda disinformation. But then you got the large media networks, which both sides, the issues, I mean, you literally have like a MAGA Republican fascist rally in Iowa where they're saying like the most outrageous, disgusting lies in the world. You know, when you get a headline from Politico or, or, or one of these uh, outlets that just basically like, you know, Republicans try to woo evangelicals with attacks on Democrats. And it's like, okay, I just watched what took place over the past two hours. You know, I, I did a few videos on it that we posted on our YouTube channel. I'm like, this makes The Handmaid's Tale look relatively normal. And the headline that you come up with is wooing evangelicals. Like the large media networks are just not made for this moment. And frankly, that's why you got political beatdown and you got the Midas Touch Network. This is what Donald Trump posted, though, this morning about uh, the debates. He goes, I see that everybody is talking about the Republican debates, but nobody got my approval or the approval of the Trump campaign before announcing them. When you're leading by seemingly insurmountable numbers and you have hostile networks with angry Trump and MAGA hating anchors asking the quote questions, why subject yourself to being libeled and abused? Also, the second debate is being held at the Reagan Library, the chairman of which is amazingly Fred Ryan, publisher of the Washington Post. No exclamation point. I mean, just like who talks like this? Like a post like that in and of itself should be disqualified. The talks like this. That's the problem. You know, he's already declared himself as the Republican nominee. Why? Because that's just what he wants to do. And uh, he doesn't like anybody that's going to ask him a question that's not a softball to him, which he still himself can't get right. I mean, he did it with Hannity. Hannity's saying, but you would never do that, Donald. I mean, you know, Mr. President, you would never do that. I mean, if they if you knew that you had certain documents in your possession, you would certainly have sent them back, wouldn't you, Mr. President? I mean, scratch your head, dumbass, and say, um, yeah, yeah, okay. But instead, this dumb fuck goes on to say, well, no, no, no. Quite frankly, they were mine. I have the right to take them. Right? Nobody can tell me what to do. They're mine. I declutter. They're mine. I thought about it and declutter. I mean, this is the problem with Trump. And then somebody on that line of other Republicans say, no, you stupid, right? You stupid fool. It doesn't work that way. You don't declassify shit with your mind. And you don't have the right to keep them because under the Presidential Records Act, it's not yours. They belong to the American people. And you had over a year to return them and you refused and then you lied and then you had lawyers lie on your behalf and now they're in trouble. And so they had to then go to the judge and the judge had to then sign, uh, you know, a, a search a search warrant in order to go to Mar-a-Lardo where they knew exactly where it was, which means one of the people on your inside is actually a turncoat on you and a an informant. And we went there and we took the shit and then we find out you have even more shit. All right. These are the things that Donald cannot answer. And so 
he will make up every excuse in the book why he should not have to be there because somebody's going to ask him a question that he knows he can't answer. It's why he does so poorly with depositions and with these trials. It's going to be talk about insurmountable, right? Just wait till you start seeing what's going on here. Um, whether it's this case with E. Jean Carroll in July, I have my trial against Trump for legal fees. That's going to be an interesting one. You have the DA's case. You have the AG's case. We all know very soon you have the Georgia case that's coming around. But let's just jump back into fucker Carlson for a second, because we, we have now seen Donald Trump 2.0. By the way, I wouldn't be shocked if Donald then now announces that Tucker Carlson may be considered as his vice presidential running mate. I wouldn't be shocked about something like that. I could I could see, you know, Trump doing something uh, on that line. But let's take a look at Fucker Carlson and one some of the things that he did in terms of promoting these lies again and again. And now, of course, there's also the other lawsuit with um, Abby Grossman, who worked for him in, uh, in, in, his, uh, work in the work environment, in an unsafe work environment, and so on. You know, all of this stuff is par and parcel for the way that Trump has allowed this right-wing ecosystem to behave. And we have all I hate to say it, normalized it. And I say that we are all guilty of allowing this to become the norm because even though we all know that they were lying and full of shit and so on, Tucker, Tucker Carlson still got incredible ratings uh, for Fox. So this is obviously you know, a real crazy situation. And what's, more, what's even more astounding is the fact that after all the emails that came out through the uh, de- you know through discovery in the Dominion case, there are still so many people who believe that Tucker is telling the truth, and if he didn't, it's okay that he was speaking for them, despite the fact that what he was speaking were all lies, misinformation, disinformation, and malinformation. I mean, this is really terrible stuff. There's a guy by the name of Walter Masterson who does a brilliant, brilliant job by trolling these fools. And I think, you know, and I hope that's all there. I hope you have it. If you do, please play it so that Ben and I can show our brigaders exactly what the hell I'm talking about here. So Tucker Carlson's out. Tucker Carlson was fired. How's everyone doing now that Tucker's gone? You all right? How do you feel about Tucker getting fired? Who's going to explain white supremacy to our stupid viewers? I have a funny feeling he may have signed a good deal with Donald Trump. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel now that Tucker's gone? I feel devastated. I thought he was such an asset to Fox. He was the one who was willing to stand up and say this election was stolen and point out the unfairness of the prosecutions and everything else in this country. The, all well, the other, well, privately, he didn't believe any of that, but that's... But yeah. publicly, he did. Yes, and but we, privately, yeah. And you, you, needed, you need that voice in this country because the other media is all left and biased. No one else is going to be able to explain white supremacy to our viewers the same way. He'll be missed. Thank you. Thank you. What do you think of Fox News firing Tucker Carlson? Uh, it's New York, man. Expect the worst. Thank you. How do we feel about Tucker Carlson getting Step fired? Outside, please. Step outside. Can I make a statement? I'm with Fox News. Sir, please step outside. Trump invited me here. Step outside. They fired Tucker Carlson. He sucks anyways.
I mean, look, that we're just talking about stupidity on a level that it's hard to it's it's hard to even describe. It's devastating that, you know, uh, the left is, you know, is lying to you that their voice, that the right's voice needs to be heard. And then when Walter's sitting there making fun of them and so who else is going to, you know, to discuss white supremacy the way Tucker did? Who's going to talk to talk about, you know, the. This other comes back and goes, yeah, and you know, for God's sakes, you know, uh, you know, they stole the election. We know for a fact the election wasn't stolen. In fact, Fox shit can Tucker Carlson in part because they paid what is it, close to three quarters of a billion dollars, right, for defaming Dominion, and that's only part of the case. You still have Smartmatic case. You still have Abby Grossman's case. You still have all of these other cases. I think there's seven in total pending against Fox that who knows how many billions of dollars it's going to be. But don't worry, this well-dressed elder idiot is sitting there and talking about how it's stolen. How do we get to this? And I asked this to all the brigaders. I asked this to you, Ben. How do we get through to these people that just because you think it doesn't make it factual? You know, I understand the concept where, whereby even the overturning now of Roe and sending Roe v. Wade back to the states to make certain decisions. I can understand this. Uh, you know, evangelicals and, you know, some of these uh, who claim to be incredibly devout, um, you know, religious fanatics believe that it's against the Bible. I can understand them saying that my religious conviction doesn't believe that abortion uh, is right. Uh, I could understand them making that argument. I, I That I could acknowledge. But when a trial ends up getting um, canceled because a settlement of 780 plus billion dollars is offered on a defamation case. You really have to understand that the defendant in that case knew that they were lying, knew that they were wrong, that they were going to get ass smacked in the court of law. And so in order to reduce how much they would end up ultimately having to pay, right? And going through a whole trial, they decide to settle. But this stupid guy and his and his wife or whoever the other folks were, they still refuse to acknowledge the truth. And I don't know what else we as a group, as the brigade and as you and myself, you know, whether it's this podcast or any of the others that we're affiliated to, how do we get through to these People who are so indoctrinated into the lies of the cult of Trump that you cannot get through to them. I just don't know. It's, I find it so frustrating. Well, here's a clip I want to play. This is from a right wing propagandist named Charlie Kirk. But by the way, do you see how I introduce who Charlie Kirk is, right? He's a right-wing propagandist, and that's how large media networks need to talk about these people because what you can't do is accept that their conduct is part of a legitimate discourse. It is not. So when I play a clip like that, from the outset, I have to set the stage or else I'm committing you know, journalistic malpractice by just showing you a clip. So that's why I say that before a clip like that. But I want to show you this clip of this right-wing propagandist, Charlie Kirk, and this is his response to Tucker Carlson being fired. Charlie Kirk almost looks like he's crying. It almost looks like he acts like Tucker Carlson got killed or something in this clip. But there's an important thing that he says that I want everyone to pay attention to. I'll flag it at the end, but watch this clip. 
Tucker Carlson remade the right. That is one thing I will agree with the view on. He was more powerful than anybody else since the death of Rush Limbaugh in reshaping the right, in moving the Overton window, in pushing forward positive narratives, in challenging Operation Mockingbird. And I can say this as somebody who knows Tucker very well. He did not care about the backlash. So the, the part I want you to pay attention to there, he just kind of slipped it in, but kind of revealed the plot, right? And he said that Tucker Carlson did more to move the Overton window than anybody else. The Overton window, just so everybody knows what that means, if you're not familiar with it, is the range of policies politically acceptable to the mainstream population at a given time. It's also known as the window of discourse. So what Charlie Kirk is giving Tucker Carlson credit for is mainstreaming right-wing extremism and making that what's basically viewed as just the right generally. So that as part of the Overton window now pushing in that direction, when you look at the right and you look at the left and you look at the center as being where most people will find popular policies, by the fact that you have this right-wing extremism that has been mainstreamed, that's now treated as just another version of legitimate political discourse, and you just kind of meet in the middle. But when you just kind of meet in the middle, they're so far fascist that the middle right now on the Overton window is a right-wing fascism. It's not a, hey, we love democracy. We support law and order. Let's have these political, these legitimate conversations. Let's talk about tax policy. Let's talk about these issues in intelligible ways. Not at all. And so that's actually what they did. And the large media networks have bought into that. And when you go back to that video of Walter Masterson and he's having an interview with somebody like that who would watch a diet of Fox News every single you know night you know, and they're hey, getting man. this information, that's why they feel that way. Yeah. And I just want to say something too, you know, with Walter when he was standing inside uh, what was Trump Tower. And the man was saying, sir, you need to step outside. You need to step outside and so on. I want to be very clear about something. Uh, and I don't know if Walter is aware of this. And Donald Trump does not own the atrium. In fact, if you go back to it and you look on the outside to the front of the building, it says open to the public. That area belongs to the people of the city and state of New York. Donald was able to get the height of the residential side by giving away that area, all right, as part of an exchange for additional uh, FAR, that's air rights, all right? He doesn't own it. And the fact that they're telling a journalist who's identified himself, now maybe not accurately, because he's certainly not a Fox journalist, but the fact that he's there filming inside a public space is no different than that same guy telling you on the street that you can't be here. He has no right to do that. In fact, what he did is he actually committed um, a, a crime by, by doing that, and it's a violation of your rights. 
Cohen, what trial do you, you mentioned a trial over attorney's fees that's coming up in the next few months. I, I want to put it on all of the brigaders radar though. What's that trial? Is Trump going to have to testify to that? What, what's that so about? The answer to that is no. Uh, that's the case uh, that I brought against uh, Trump and the Trump organization uh, for legal fees that I had expended on his behalf. Um, and also, you know, for his benefit, uh, and that ended up, uh, in capturing me into all uh, many of these problems. So uh, he decided not to pay. And if I'm sure that if you think back, uh, you know, this topic has come up before. I sued uh, the Trump organization and Donald and so on. And the judge in the original instance uh, turned around and sided on a motion to dismiss with Trump's counsel. And that was actually Alina Haba who went on a victory tour for that. Ultimately, we filed an appeal and the appeal came back five to zero. Every one of the five appellate judges turned around and stated that the judge had gotten it all wrong and remanded it back to the court. However, one of the things that uh, Trump's counsel originally had turned around and stated uh, was that if and this, uh, I forget uh, who the counsel was in that. He worked for uh, Mukasey's office. If, in fact, that they lose, that in order to prevent Donald, Don Jr., and Alan Weisselberg from being deposed, that they would concede liability. And so that was upheld on the appellate um, overturning of the case. Uh, and so this is now just a trial for damages. Got it. And uh, E. Jean Carroll's uh, trial underway right now. Um, I'm reading some of the uh, opening statements that are coming in right now. Inner City Press is covering it. They've got someone in the courtroom as we speak, and they're going over the incident, what took place in Bergdorf Goodman. Um, they're going over uh, the sexual assault. They're going over the claim of defamation, um, and uh, they're laying out the case in their opening. We will see who gives the opening uh, for Donald Trump, if it's going to be Takapina, Haba, or the new lawyer that they just hired. So we'll see. I don't believe this case settles at all I, for a variety of reasons. Um, I don't think this is on a settlement trajectory. Um, but uh, Cohen, what, what, what are you looking for? What, what should our brigaders be focused on in this trial? Um, and uh, just knowing Donald Trump, do you think he shows? Uh, I don't think he shows up. Uh, there's absolutely no benefit uh, to him, you know, at this point showing up. And it's for that reason that I do believe that they will try. They will try to settle this matter out, um, whereby the terms of the settlement uh, will be gagged so that we will actually never know the full extent of the uh, of the settlement, but it would make sense. This is not something that Donald needs uh, right now, especially as he's beginning to, you know, ramp up his, you know, conversations uh, and his run uh, for the presidency, which has a more important effect, meaning that the only way Donald gets out of some of these criminal matters is if, in fact, that he wins uh, and he becomes president. Uh, that's about the only way that he's going to survive this. But, you know, again, I do uh, just want 
all of our brigaders to please do me the favor. Uh, make sure that you follow me at Michael Cohen 212 on Twitter. When you see these bots, let's shut them down too. Let's keep the conversation legitimate. Let's keep the conversation real and accurate. Uh, you know, and I need, you know, I need help uh, from everybody in in that regard. Uh, it's extremely important so that we could ensure that truth, you know, is there for others to read and that the truth doesn't get drowned out by these bot farms, uh, by the far, you know, radical right. Everybody, make sure you hit subscribe on the YouTube channel. We're on our way to 1.5 million subscribers. I want to hit that by this summer. So if you're not subscribed here, please hit subscribe. For all of our YouTube viewers, make sure you subscribe to Political Beatdown on podcast as well. So whatever podcast app you use, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Google or Stitcher or whatever one you use, just search Political Beatdown. Make sure you're subscribed both on YouTube and the podcast. For those who just listen on audio podcasts, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel. Everybody check out Revenge, Michael Cohen's new book, wherever books and audio books are sold. That is Revenge, the book, How Donald Trump Weaponized the U.S. Department of Justice Against His Critics. You can also check out store.midastouch.com for the best pro-democracy gear, the official Maya Culpa podcast, gear, the official Midas Touch podcast and Midas Touch network gear, 100% made in the U.S., 100% union made. And there you see the Mar-a-Lardo Correctional Facility shirt, one of our best sellers. Make sure you get your Mar-a-Lardo Correctional Facility shirt, the official Mea Culpa podcast shirt before uh, anything runs out. That's store.midastouch.com. Thank you so much to all of the brigaders out there. We are are so grateful for all of your support. None of this is possible without you. Cohen and I talk about this every single day, just how much we appreciate your thoughtfulness, your support, and the fact that after you watch this, you share the knowledge, you share these videos, you share this content, you share the Midas Touch Network with other people because that word of mouth is just so critical. And it is important to people to know that there is this destination here where we love our country, we love our constitution, and it's not just about doing these performative things. It's about showing it with your actions, showing it with your conduct. So thank you to all of you political beatdown brigaders. Until next time, I'm Ben Micellis, joined by Michael Cohen. Make sure you hit subscribe below. Have a great day and shout out to the Midas Mighty.